Buckle up that chin strap. It's time for college football across the South. The Southern Blitz is here with your co-hosts, Jordan Wallace and Drew Adair. Well, 25 days, Drew Waddell. We are 25 days from college football. I know it's just week zero, and it's not the sexiest slate of games, but we are getting close, my friend. I'm ready. I'm ready. I am fired up. Fall camp in the air. You can feel it. I mean, in the in the crisp fall, uh, 105 degree humidity here in uh, in good old <laughs> Arkansas. You can feel that 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 fall football just coming this way. So. No, I'm ready, my friend, and uh, I long for those fall days and uh, football Saturdays. But it, it's coming. The hype videos are out. Oh, yeah. Uh, Camp starting this week. Yes, it is, uh, it is officially time. We have turned the calendar August 1st. Let's rock and roll, my friend. Yep, we got, we got teams all starting to meet, players coming in. So we start to get those first little tidbits from camp. You know, oh, this guy's looking really good. All that stuff, which, you know, is so minimal. But at this point, we're like crack addicts where we'll take just about anything. So, yeah, and hey, Jordan, I mean, right now, everybody's going 12 and 0, brother. Everybody's that's right. Everybody's undefeated, and, oh, baby. Everybody's looking up. Everybody's looking up. That's this what I'm fired This about. is the only time, Drew, you know, as soon as week zero gets here, not everybody's undefeated anymore. That's so, right. breathe it in. Enjoy yeah, it. Anybody can win. Um, well, to, tonight on the show, we're going to get into our, our pick em stuff that we've been telling you guys about. Um, we're going to go over our head-to-head again. This time, it'll be on conference realignment, and we will have plenty to talk on that, on that subject, followed by the team previews that we've been doing. So this week, we have Iowa State, Oklahoma, Texas from the Big 12, and then from the SEC, we've got Florida, Kentucky, and Missouri. So... We're excited to get into that um, real quick on the pick'em. So, like we told y'all, we're gonna have wide open. Doesn't matter what fan base. The only thing we require to be part of our pick'em is that you follow us on either Facebook or Twitter, or preferably both. We we would like to get our followers up so that it's not you know sad. Uh, um, but we're we're gonna start running our slate of games once the season starts. We're gonna start running it every week, so you'll know. Hey, here's the next slate um, of games that you're gonna pick. So starting off week zero games, there are you know we we've got five games on the slate that were you know might be decent matchups. Um, <laughs> you know I, I understand that these five games are gonna be shots in the dark for some degree, but here they are. You've got Ohio versus San Diego State. Hawaii versus Vanderbilt, UTEP versus Jacksonville State, FIU versus Louisiana Tech, and UMass versus New Mexico State. <laughs> not a not not exactly powerhouses, Drew. I hear you laughing yeah. about them. Oh, oh, that was painful to get through. Uh, I'm, that, that, I'm telling you, painful. it's just a whole bunch of who. But uh, you know you what? Know. I bet UMass doesn't have a podcast though. Maybe, maybe we need to reach no. out to those guys. We'll, you know? we'll get maybe a few of the Minutemen listeners so <laughs> those are those are your five games uh we're gonna we're gonna start by just having everybody pick those and well basically we're not planning to eliminate anybody in the first week unless you manage to go zero and five on that slate if you go winless you will be eliminated right off the bat uh, but after that you know we're we're gonna go essentially where we're gonna do it 
uh, where your week by week picks add up over the course of the four first four weeks, and then we'll make our first cut. So we'll we'll get deeper into the actual breakdown of how the pick'em is going to work, but we we very much look forward to it. So with that with that said, Drew, if you're ready, let's uh it's time to get into our head to head. Let's get ready to rumble. All right, like we said, conference realignment is the battle. We're going to start off. Florida State, Clemson, two of the biggest pieces that aren't in one of the major two conferences right now. Drew, go ahead and take that first swing. Well, naturally, you know, yeah, I mean, right now is wild with, with conference alignment and uh, being the absolute SEC homer that I am, I'm going to argue for Florida State and Clemson, both great fits for the SEC. Um, natural fits from a geographical standpoint. I don't think I have to get too far into that for our, uh, you know, our folks who, who cover uh, the map of the United States. It, it makes sense. Geography um, lessons tonight on the blitz. However, uh, you know, I mean, many of our conferences out there looking at you, uh, Big Ten, uh, you know, you, you, could, you could stay in a geography lesson for sure. But um, it makes sense from a recruiting standpoint. It makes sense. I think I had somebody argue with me the other day that Florida State would get absolutely blasted if they joined the SEC today. And that, that might be true. Um, I like what Norvell is doing right now. He is recruiting at a high level. He's, I would argue that he's recruiting just as good as uh, Napier is at Florida. So mm-hmm. uh, it just makes sense. I tell you, the only downside, and I know this is supposed to be head-to-head, you know, intense uh, debating here, Jordan. The only downside that I will say to you is um, I, I don't know if we're adding – any real new markets because Florida state and Florida uh, are, are gen- generally close. Florida's obviously you're, a large state. You're taking my talking points, Drew. You're taking my fight right out of you. Just, you're doing I'm both sorry. sides of the argument. Uh, you, you go ahead. I, I have something, <laughs> I, I have a, I have a key. Uh, I have something to throw in at the end. Okay. So you, 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 you give go your, forward. give your go so, ahead here. So, yeah, I mean, that's the obvious thing is the SEC has shown that they don't, like the idea of having two teams in a state. Obviously, they've done it. Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Auburn, Alabama. But South Carolina, Clemson, you know, they I don't know that they want another another team in South Carolina. They don't want Georgia Tech from Georgia. They, uh, yeah, I, I just, I don't think they want to add a second team in those states. And from a Big Ten perspective, again, geography does not mean anything to that conference, clearly. I mean, you're you're spanning the country from, New Jersey with Rutgers all the way across to LA with USC and UCLA. So, you know, this is not the, the 1950s, Drew. It's very easy for teams to travel. I get that there's an expense to it all, but uh, geography obviously doesn't play as big of a part. And I don't, I'm not saying I like it, but it, it's just one of the deals that's going on right now. So I think that's a big aspect of it, but I'll let you get in your other point. Well, and I would debate that and say, that would be probably one of my main points for them not to go to the Big Ten because if I've got to get on a plane and fly to California and play UCLA one week and then the next week I've got a road game, I don't know, at Rutgers or something like that, why, what, you know, what are we doing? Really? I mean, and I, mean you're I, not I can't be able see them doing that, like. though. You know, there, yeah. there is going to be some sense to the scheduling, I would hope. I, it, uh, you know, it you would, would be funny to send teams over to – you know, if you're if you're especially if you're a Florida State in the Big Ten and they send you one week at at USC and then the next week you're at Rutgers, um, 
I'd enjoy that, the humor of it all, but I, I can't see him doing that on the scheduling standpoint. Yeah. The, the last piece that I'll say that, that really makes any sense, I mean, the tradition, the pageantry, it's there for both schools. I mean, they've got rich heritage that fits into the SEC uh, naturally. But the, the, the kind of outlier that not many people are talking about that I think personally is the perfect fit for the SEC is the University of North Carolina. And it's because – uh, one, you're adding a new market, a brand new state. Two, decent football program, elite basketball program, pretty solid baseball program as well. And it's one of those legendary schools. And, you know, honestly, if you're going to dip into Florida, Jordan, you you might be better off to add a team like Miami yeah. to where you're getting southern Florida. I don't want Miami. No. I don't want that to happen. But if you're I, going I, to I Florida, highly disagree there. But Yeah, if you're going to go into Florida – you know, pick up at least pick up a well, different market. I so, guess I mean, is what I'm saying. Too, I, I don't like it in general. Like for one, I, I hate the G. I you know I, I argued against the geography a second ago, but again, I don't like these conferences putting their geography all over the all over the country. You know, I like that the SEC is consolidated into one spot. Um, the other aspect of it is. I don't want to. Gr- I don't want any of these conferences growing anymore. I mean, sixteen RA seems like way too many teams. But at least, you know, like we've discussed on the pod, with a nine-game conference schedule, you can make sixteen work pretty well and still get to play everybody every other year at least. Um, right. So sixteen can be manageable. But you're talking about adding because again, if you add teams at this point when you're at sixteen already, you're going to twenty, and now we're talking essentially two maybe three super conferences of 20 teams and it's why i i don't understand the point of it because you're never going to play a lot of those teams in fact if i had my way through and i know this is old man yelling at clouds kind of stuff but if i had my way we go back everybody is a 10 team conference max nobody can have more than 10 teams that way you can play a nine game conference schedule and you play every single team in your conference every single year uh that would be my preference. Again, I don't. I know that's not happening. I know we're, we're past that point, but that would be my preference. I do not like the idea. Again, the SEC's had a horrible, horrible scheduling issue the last few years. You know, the the big joke that A and M can A and M and uh, Georgia continue their tradition of not playing ever. Um, you just you've got teams that you never play until once every like eight years. I just don't. I don't see the value in that kind of conference setup. Yeah, but hey, guess what? You know what? All, all the thing you're missing is money, Jordan. Money, yeah, money, money makes the world go round. And you know what? Hey, in order for us to not have twenty team conferences, we have to have other conferences be competent. And leading into our, I think, next point, we have a particular conference that is not very competent at all. That actually met today, if I'm not mistaken, right, Jordan? Well, and, so uh, you know, yeah, let's get I, into that. Let's get the into pack that. is is essentially on the way out. Um, I, I just you know Colorado already left. I, I don't necessarily think Colorado would be the the just final straw. But the issue is they had their meeting to discuss their future media rights, which they still do not have a deal in place for twenty twenty four. So only what I've heard. By the way, I'm sorry. Say that again. Only conference that does not have a major yes. uh, TV yes. deal, by the way. Well, and uh, the deal that they've been offered, sadly, doesn't sound like a major TV deal. So uh, from the numbers that I've seen, they are going to be mostly streaming on the on Apple uh, from as far as a <laughs> media standpoint. 
And not only that, they, they're getting about $19.7 million per team, which puts mm. them right around a third of what SEC teams are going to be making. I read lower than that. Them. I mean, I read lower than that. Well, again, know? this was before Colorado left. Yeah. Those yeah. were initial yeah. numbers. I'm sure they're lower now. Uh, I just don't see. And again, the, the issue is now those, those numbers are so bad. What in the world could incentivize a school like Arizona to stay there when they could go make double that in the Big 12? Yeah. It's, yeah. Well, in, in, honestly, in the Big 12, you know, teams like Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, which sound like they're certainly kind of a trifecta mm-hmm. package deal, which makes sense. You know, at least in some some semi-crazy world, they make a little bit of geographical sense. Um for the conference. But I mean, when we're talking about the real losers at the end of the day that could be involved in this, which is not going to make us cry about one of these, yeah. but Oregon and Washington are sitting out here on, literally on an island and with nowhere to go potentially. So um, it's wild. That's the other thing, Drew, that, that I wonder about is why is the Big 12 not going after Oregon and Washington? And the only thing that makes sense to me is that they've, had discussions with the Big Ten, but then I, you know, I can't see, you know, maybe the Big Ten's talking, hey, we're going to go get Oregon, we're going to get Washington, we're going to get Florida State and Clemson and, and make it a 20-team conference, but at the same time, I don't see the Big Ten filling up to 20 without somehow involving Notre Dame. Yeah, I think I think that's the key piece that they want, because Notre Dame is by far the biggest the biggest name on the market, regardless. Or, you know, but I, I could also see Notre Dame entertaining the SEC. And I think what's probably going down behind the scenes, Greg Sankey operates in more of a private manner on these things. You know, he probably has really or had no intentions of expanding in the immediate future, but the current landscape is lending its hand to being proactive. And so right now you start thinking about teams like Notre Dame and North Carolina and Virginia and Florida State and Clemson and Oregon. You know, whether you like it or not, changes now. And, yeah, uh, well, you know, the, it's the issue is you, you, you essentially gotten into an arms race with yeah. the Big Ten and the SEC. And, I, you know, I doubt I really doubt the Big Ten goes and gets USC and UCLA if the SEC didn't go grab OU in Texas. Right. You know, right. The, the Big Ten felt, hey, they got threatened. They felt the need to respond. They did. And so maybe it's kind of a cold war is basically what it is right now. You know, everybody's loading up on nukes. Nobody wants to necessarily fire anymore at this point, I don't think. I, again, I, I'd really, really like it to stay at a 16 conference or 16 team conference max. That's personal preference just based on scheduling and getting to actually play the teams in your conference. But again, if one of the SEC or Big Ten does make a move, I think the other one has to. And so now yeah. you're scared. You don't want to be the one left holding the bag where. You know, the Big Ten goes and snags Florida State, Clemson, and Notre Dame or whoever, and then you're trying to pick up the best of what's left over, and now now you're a step behind if you're the SEC. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, you know, and, and what's really wild that, that it's played out, in my opinion, that one, there's two things that are going on, the pure arrogance of the Pac-12 and basically overvaluing what they really had. I mean, let's not, let's not forget, Jordan, I mean, you know, the Pac-12, Pac-12 presidents rejected Texas Tech. Um, what, how many years ago was that? I'm trying to remember. That was, I think, 2012, if I remember right, about 11 who years was, ago. 
who was involved in that? I'm trying to remember. So, so it was, there was a, I mean, it, this almost happened. And yeah. Was, oh yeah. It was, close. it was Oklahoma, Texas, Oklahoma state and Texas tech. Yeah. And there, and again, with conference realignment, there's always so many rumors involved. Um, but at the time, I think the big thing was the PAC didn't want to take on Oklahoma state and Texas tech. And I think OU and Texas just kind of made that a package deal. Like, Hey, we're all four coming or none of us. And, and that's, that's kind of where the stalemate ended. And, and now if you're the PAC 12, you, you look like morons. Yeah, you do. And then you've got the ACC that is just incredibly quiet and nothing is happening. Like it's almost like they're like, okay, pick us. Well, nobody can. Here it it's comes. too expensive to get out of those that contract that they it have is. as far as the grant of rights. It is. It, it's mean, just mind blowing. You, you want to get into politics at all, Drew, and talk about the left coast managing uh, something and and it just yeah, going in yeah. the garbage. Amazing. Hey, here we go. Now we're now we're a, a political no, no, uh, political pod. pod. Now. Hey, here you know go. what? Maybe we'll here come we up go. with some extra searches. Yeah. 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 <laughs> hey. Everybody in California, search this out. Uh, yeah. Make sure make, make this part viral. Make this part viral. Well, I, I hate to break it to you, Drew, but this is a sports podcast, and, and nobody on the on the West Coast cares. That's that's why Good the point. pack deal is dying. So. Good point. Good point. No, Good I, point. And going to the ACC side of things, I mean, their grant of rights is long, and it is tough to break. Uh, I, I've seen a couple different rumors on Florida State, one of the big ones being, you know, talking with somebody that has – experience as far as you know breaking those contracts they are extremely tough the one thing that florida state could maybe try to pull off is that they were misled and and numbers were misrepresented by the the acc and in regards to media rights and media deals and and the money that they would be making that they would be on par with the sec and big ten and stuff which they're clearly not at this point if you're the acc so Mm -hmm. maybe you can argue that uh, but I've also seen that their their buyout would be around three hundred million that they could probably pay out over ten years. Which, ouch, um, you're you're gonna get you're gonna make double that in the SEC per year. But to have half your half your earnings going elsewhere that 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 hurts. Uh, so it's, but again, it's a long game. So if for the short term, if that's what you have to do, if you're Florida State, that's what you have to do. Yeah, yeah, and I, I would venture to say. Neither one of us are just gigantic, um, you know, conference realignment, you know, proponents here. We're not, we're not totally for it, but we do realize that it is the future. It's going to happen whether we like it or not. Um, I don't know if it's good for college football. I, I will say it feels good, you know, to uh, be a fan of a team that's extremely secure because uh, there's a lot of fan bases out there tonight in certain conferences that aren't feeling so hot about their future. So uh, it, yeah. it's, it, it's an interesting time. Honestly, it's come quicker than I thought. Um, but if, if, if we would just focus on history, the last five years or so, we've had news like this right before the season. Um, it's just, it's just become tradition, honestly. Well, and you, you're mentioning those other teams. One of the funnier things I saw on, on Twitter here recently was Oregon State coming out and declaring their loyalty to the to the pack? And it's yeah. like, well, I mean, where where are you going to go if you're Oregon State? So, yeah, yeah, that, I saw I found somebody, that humorous. Somebody on Twitter said that's like declaring your loyalty to your your 2010, you know, Ford Freestar van. Yeah. You know, when when you could you could be fired up about the new Yukon Denali, you know, rolling in, but I, they can't they can't have that. They can't have that. So. <laughs> 
Well, they they don't they don't want it anyway, Drew. They don't want it. They don't. Yeah. They don't. They don't. They don't like no. football. They don't like football up there. Well, I mean, there's there's so much to talk about on conference realignment, but unless you have any last points, we'll we'll move on to the previews for this week. Let's roll yeah. on. Let's roll on. All right. So, you know, we, it was it was actually an easy decision on which team we were going to start with this week, just thanks to we we have some breaking news right here before the pod started within the last couple hours. So we're going to start with Iowa State. Uh, Harrison Deckers, or sorry, Hunter Deckers, was, you know, the very obvious incumbent starter for Iowa State. Well, he is now under investigation for gambling on Iowa State games, including, you know, some of it was other Iowa State sports, but he also bet on an Iowa State football game that he took part in um, back in 2021. So he may completely lose his college eligibility and, I mean, what a what a time as fall camp starts through. You're now looking at replacing your incumbent starter. Where do you go if you're Iowa State? I mean, you're you're also talking about a team that went four and eight last season. Yeah, I'm. I'm. This is this is tragic tragic news. What what is up with uh, coaches and players just uh, behind the scenes? You know, getting to the betting world here. I guess they just can't uh, help it gets, themselves. It, it gets caught you know? too often. Why would you take the chance? Yeah, I don't. I think I think it's a negative influence from Jordan's big, tw- uh, big, big bets, big, big bets. Of week, yeah, they, you know. they, I, they I just think know there's such a lock to happen. Yeah, I yeah, make that money. yeah. That like say, hey, if you have a gambling problem, you know, you know, you need to call us. I mean, they need to quit listening to the Southern Blitz and uh, get away from your your influence here. So. Yeah, yeah, you know, but now, I, I apologize. You know, it's. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and hopefully last season, hopefully Deckers was not betting on his own team too often because no, again, like no. I said, they went they went four and eight. Let's uh let's let's kind of start there, Drew. We'll start with last season. You know, they, they started off so well. Started off three and oh in their non conference. Um I mean obviously the big one is over Iowa. I mean they went on the road to Iowa and won a ten seven game, which mm. that is regardless of how they played the last few years where they've actually been good, that was one game they just couldn't get over the hump. So they finally do it. They go 3-0 in the non-conference and then just bomb. I mean, they they lose eight of their nine in the Big 12. And the only one they won was against West Virginia, and that one was at home. Just obviously obviously the Iowa game's a big win for them, but man, just what a what a train wreck of a season. And their their defense was, I believe, the best in the Big 12 last year. Really played well for the most part. But their offense, similar to the to the Iowa Hawkeyes could not do anything. Yeah, but Jordan, I tell you this, uh, and this is it makes it even more sad that that Decker did this because he's really hurt his team. Because you know, just real quick, and I don't want to spend too much time on this, but these losses are so close. That Baylor loss was so painful uh, in Ames, twenty four thirty one, Kansas eleven to fourteen, Kansas State nine to ten. I mean, painful scores. Yeah, and look how uh, good K State was. I mean, yeah, I mean Texas twenty one twenty four didn't yep. lose to OU. Too bad. I mean, they were so close. And actually, it's funny. My I'm looking at my notes for Iowa State, and I was semi-positive because I was like, hey, I, I like Decker. He's serviceable. He's not going to be amazing. But anytime you have a returning quarterback with experience and you've got a stingy defense because that's Matt Campbell's calling card, hey, reason to be excited, right? Yep. Now, here we are. Who the heck comes under center? For a team that was four and eight last year, and, and honestly, Jordan, this is a pivotal, pivotal year for Matt Campbell. And I'm a Matt Campbell fan, but yeah, you know, this is this is a big year. Well, I mean, you look at it, and again, Matt Campbell's got a big name. I mean, for a while, they 
he, he turned down a job offer from the Lions, making a lot more money than he is at Iowa State. Um, but, you, yeah, you look at their schedule last year. I mean, they lost to Oklahoma by 14 in Norman, and they got just housed by, by TCU to end the season. But at that point, I mean, you're already four and seven. Who cares? Uh, outside of those two games, every their other six in the Big 12, or sorry, yeah, uh, obviously they won West Virginia, but the rest of them, all one-score games. They were close. They were close. So, they really were. They and that's really what happened. You're good defense. You you stay in every game. Yeah, it does. And I mean, listen, their defense finished fourth na- nationally in yards allowed per game at two eighty five point six. That's salty. Um, you know, Campbell. I, I thought have the Big them... Twelve didn't play any defense, Drew. Oh, yeah, well, a couple of teams do. You know, a couple <laughs> couple of teams do. This is all past us, Jordan. Hey, water under the bridge. We're not getting into <laughs> that. Okay. Um, yeah, but you know, I mean, Campbell. You know, he had no choice but to make some some moves, right? I mean, so and he did. He made some big moves in the offseason, fired his OC, promoted within there. Uh, they also had uh, 22 turnovers uh, in 22. That ranked 103rd nationally, killed themselves over yep. and over and over again. Um, but, he, you know, Matt Campbell has had seven years, Jordan, to put his roster together and to make it happen. This is a big year. For him to prove it, and Hunter Decker has not done him no. any, uh, you know, good good deals here. Well, and you know, it, the one good thing about it for for Iowa State is they just landed one of their best recruits probably in history with JJ Cole, big yes. time quarterback commitment, a top 150 player in the country. I mean, just by far their highest ranked commitment this this past year as well. But again, true freshman, and you know, Drew, you know how I feel about true freshmen starting at quarterback. But, I mean, I guess if you're Iowa State, that's probably the direction I go. And I just take my lumps and, and let him learn on the job. I mean, the good thing to. for them is they, they return their leading two rushers with Jarrell Brock and, and Cartavius Norton. So, you got to lean on the running game as much as you can. They return two of their top three receivers with Jalen Knoll, Dimitri Stanley. So, they've got some weapons for Cole. Um, you know, they're – tight end Deshaun Hanneke, which, you know, especially for a young quarterback, you, you need that big tight end. And Iowa State is known for their big tight ends. He's he's going to have to rely on those guys because it's going to be it's going to be tough sledding for Iowa State. No doubt. But the way they're going to win games is, is defense, Jordan. Yep. That's the bottom line. They're going to have to have low scoring games now with Decker out. I mean, their best unit, uh, one of their best units last year and coming into this year is going to be the secondary with TJ Tampa. Miles Purchase, uh, other safeties, Jeremiah Cooper, Malik Virgin. I mean, they've got a salty, salty group back there. And, um, you know, you, you got to love that. I mean, they did uh, lose some guys on the defensive side of the of the ball. Obviously, uh, was it McDonald there, uh, the, the edge yeah, rusher? Will, Will McDonald. Like, yeah. Will McDonald, who was just fantastic. Um, big loss there. But uh, so they got some things to do. But the problem is, Jordan, they didn't do much in the in the portal. Um, no, they pick, picked up a, a decent receiver, but a guy from Eastern Kentucky, um, but nothing to nothing to really swing at. So I, you know, they're going to have to win it with defense and score just enough to hang in games. But um, it, it doesn't look good, brother. It doesn't look no. good. Well, and you 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 dig into their schedule for this upcoming season. Obviously, they get Iowa at home. What a massive game that's going to be for Huge. for Iowa State. I mean. That's going to kind of tell the tale of the season. You've got to go back and you got to beat Iowa again, and then you got to do well in the Big Twelve this year. So they, you know, again, 
their other two non-conference games are light. And then you get to start off with Oklahoma State at home. So a, a very winnable game. So you could very easily be, I'd say, 3-1 and one at this point if you're Iowa State. And then you just got to figure it out. You got you get you get into a tough stretch because you got at Oklahoma and then you got TCU after that. And then, you know, Cincinnati, Baylor, Kansas, BYU, Texas, K-State. It's that's not going to be an easy an easy slate down the stretch either. So yeah, but I, I tell you what, uh, if I'm an Iowa State fan, uh, I'm fired up, man. Go ahead and buy your season tickets. Uh, you're getting some nice matchups at home. No. I mean, Iowa, Oklahoma State, uh, TCU. You get Kansas at home. Uh, you get Texas at home. Uh, you know, you get some tough games at home, which I like that. Probably your toughest game in Kansas State uh, to round out the season in Manhattan. But uh, it's not it's not an easy schedule, but I, I don't think it's it's the hardest schedule either because there's teams that we don't know about, such as a TCU, um, things like that. They've got a gimme win on there in Norman. Uh, it looks like. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Let's see if you're paying attention. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't fade in that when you're talking. Yeah, that's right. It's it's not the worst schedule, uh, but it's definitely not the best. Uh, that's fair. But I, at the same time, Drew, I'm not betting on them to make a bowl game this season. No uh, way. No way. Maybe no, I had a man uh, off of it, but that's that's yeah. tough. What? Uh, I don't know if you had a prediction for them before. Decker, I actually had them at six and six, barely squeaking to make a bowl. Uh, I mean, I think you might be looking at four and eight again if you're lucky. You might be a three and seven at this point. You know, or, or, yeah, I, I don't three know. Nine. I, or sorry, thirty nine, thirty nine at this point. Um, but yeah, three and seven. They may forfeit a couple games. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, so. It's not the COVID season, Drew. Yeah, you get, not the COVID season. Games. Sorry about that. Sorry about that. So, okay. Well, we'll we'll kind of move on from there. Um, unless you have any last points on on Iowa State, we'll jump into Florida. So the Gators started off great last season. You know, you go in, you you have a home game, and you beat number seven Utah massive win and then you come back the next week and lose at home to Kentucky before a three-point win over South Florida so uh, early on there were some serious concerns in Gainesville then you lose to Tennessee and it just and it and it snowballed from there you know they they went six and six during the regular season got absolutely destroyed by Oregon State in the bowl game just I don't know it was uh that was a tough look for Billy Napier for year year one it was. It was. Um, I would say, you know, some of the some of the more disappointing games uh, were definitely, you know, that Tennessee game. Although, God, that game was unbelievable, uh, if you remember that game. Um, Anthony Richardson and Hinton Hooker played their hearts out. But, yep. um, you know, you, you literally have this disappointing season, and then you round it out by losing to Vanderbilt. I mean, you can't do that. No. And then you get absolutely, you know, housed uh, by Oregon State. I mean, you know, at the end 30 of the day, to it's three. Just, yeah. I mean, it was it, it was hard to watch, and so it, it's it, it was a brutal brutal year, and it, it started uh, promising, like you said, with that Utah game um, that I mean, we talked about on this pod. I mean, it was it was impressive, you know. Yeah. Let's, you know that loss to Kentucky and. Week two, you look back and see what Kentucky actually became as the season went on. Not as that bad as ga- you think, yeah. Yeah, that game was pivotal, and it probably proved very well, uh, costly. I mean, Drew, look at the the couple of their wins. I mean, think about how good South Carolina was last year. I mean, obviously, 
obviously A&M wasn't very good, but they had a lot of talent, and Florida just pummeled both of those teams. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you're talking about a South Carolina team. They beat 38-6 to right before South Carolina goes and knocks off Tennessee and, and Clemson in back-to-back weeks. Hey, when AR-15 was on, he was on. When he I'm was on, you. it was not pretty. But that, that's the pretty. scary part, too, Drew, is, you know, you had a guy, you had a quarterback that was a top-five pick, mm-hmm. and you – Went six and seven with him. Yeah, it's yeah, you know that that that's not gonna that, that's that that's not gonna make me feel warm and fuzzy about this season. That's for sure. I mean, it, I was not a huge AR fifteen believer, but I certainly would take him over Graham Mertz. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Before we get into that, real quick, I think here's a here's a telling stat. You know, obviously they were six and seven last year. Billy Napier is forty six and nineteen overall. Uh, Napier was 16 and three in one score games at Louisiana Lafayette. Hmm. He was three and three last year, 50, you know, 500 last year. And so, in order to have success at Florida, you know, we're talking about two very different places, I understand. But he is going to have to find out how to win these one score games. And the way you do that is with dudes. Uh, who can make big plays. And sadly, as we lead into the next season, Graham Mertz, you know, I, my notes say uh, quarterback Graham Mertz, meh. <laughs> I mean, Graham Mertz <laughs> is, is the most meh quarterback. If you had a chance to watch the spring game, I'm oh, sorry. I if you did. watch, if you watch the whole, whole thing, thing, you need to go was... get mentally checked out. You, really... <laughs> I, I, yeah, you know what? The defense, the defense looked decent, but, man, that yeah, they, the old line had a lot of struggles. Again, it's a spring game. But they were just discombobulated from an offensive perspective, and it was, it was ugly. Well, and, and you know what? It shouldn't have been because again, they they returned their top two running backs with Montreal Johnson and Trevor Etienne. Yes. yes. Um, you know, big time talent and Trayon Webb coming in at running back as well. They got Cam Carroll running back from Tulane that he did some good things there. So plenty of talent on the ground. You return your top receiver with Ricky Pearsall. Um, I, I don't know. They, they, they've got some guys there to help Mertz, but it just I, – I don't know. I don't see it for year one. I think I think Mertz is a Band-Aid. Uh, you try to get to your big your big quarterback recruit, DJ Lagway, who's going to be coming in the 24 class. But you're you're probably stuck with Graham Mertz for the next two years, Drew. You probably are. Um, you probably are at the end of the day, which is, which is unfortunate. But, I mean, you know, they did some good things in the transfer portal. We talked about Mertz. They got defensive lineman Cam Jackson out of Memphis, who's impressive. But they went and got some, some, uh, some big boys. Kenyatta, uh, I'm sorry, they lost. Uh, yeah, Kenyatta Goodwin, but they brought the in uh, Micah Mascua, who we've talked about from Baylor. Um, you know, but they lost Jordan. Wait for it, 29 transfers, 29. Oof, uh, and uh, and was it's challenging. I mean, it, you know, it, it is. And and the sad part for me is that Napier is recruiting at a high level, getting guys like Roderick Kearney at offensive tackle, Kelby Collins on the D line. Yeah. If you, monster. if you watch this, yeah. If you watch the spring game, my the wide receiver is going to be a really uh, good talent, but they've kind of made their bed with Graham Hertz, which dude, there was a ton of quarterbacks available in the transfer portal. And um, it just kind of baffles me that they were left with Mertz because I think they're going to be looking again next year uh, for that guy. But and real quick, I know I'm just kind of spouting off here, but in the SEC, 
man, you get three years. You really get three years to prove your point, to put your footprint down. Show that you're going to do something. And Billy, right now, year two, looks not great. Um, but I love that running back room. I love ETN. I love Montreal. Um, the kid from uh, Tulane is fantastic, too. So, they got a great unit there. But, man, it, it ain't pretty, buddy. No, and it's not an easy schedule either. I mean, you're talking this year. You're going to go at Utah, and they're going to be a two-touchdown dog in that game to start the season. I, I do not like Florida's chances starting off. No way. And then, and then you end the season with Florida State, who's going to be really stinking good this year. Oh, and then and then sandwiched in there, you got an SEC football schedule. So, yeah. it's, you know – uh, it's going to be tough sledding this year for Florida, no doubt. Um, well, this, honestly, say, Drew, this is another team that I, I don't, I don't think they make a bowl game because their schedule's so difficult. Yeah, the, here's the deal: the only way that Florida makes a bowl game this year is the biggest games of the season. You know, they play Tennessee at Ben Hill Griffin Stadium. Uh, the Arkansas game is gigantic. Uh, for them making a bowl game, playing that at home. And then, dadgummit, that Kentucky game is huge every year. They need to win that freaking game. And it's at uh, Kroger Field. But those three games – and sorry, I'll toss in the Mizzou game too, which is in Columbia. Uh, those four, those three or four games right there, if they don't split those games, there's no way. I mean, there's yeah. just no way. Because they're not going to beat Florida State. They're not going to beat Utah. They're non-con. It's horrible. Um I was generous. Well, I say I was generous. I thought I was. Never mind. I had five. I've got five and seven. That's what yep. I got. That's that's about where I'm at with them now. Yeah. Now they're still Florida. They still have a lot of talent. So if they can get enough going at the quarterback position, maybe. But I would bet against. And so yeah, five and seven is about what I've got them as well. And by the way, I, I am a I am a Napier fan. I want him to succeed. I, I want him to go LSU. Yes. Yeah. And he got slided there. You know, he yeah. really did. But uh, we'll see. Well, let's uh, we'll move on to Oklahoma. We'll we'll kind of we'll Ooh. run through there again. Very similar to Billy Napier, um, Brent Venables, just a awful first year at Oklahoma. We'll sit back and, and just let you do this preview. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I appreciate that. So I, you know, it's I, I don't even know what to say. I mean, obviously there were some there were some challenges for Brent Venables. You're taking over for Lincoln Riley, who is you know, raided the pantry, taken your Heisman quarterback and, and several other players, took a lot of recruits out of your recruiting class for the last two years. I, he, he did some damage on his way out. But at the same time, you're talking about a program that is, what, other than Texas and the Big 12, they've got double the amount of four- and five-star players as, as anybody else in the conference. So you can't tell me that the rest of the teams in the conference wouldn't trade talent levels with Oklahoma. So to go six and six during the regular season with with that kind of talent, that's you know you can call it what you want. Maybe it is just a uh, you know maybe it's just a one year grace period for Brent Venables. And again, if he goes out and has a great year this year, all will be forgotten. Everything's fine. But it, you know if he doesn't win nine games this year, Drew, I, I I'd say he's going to be on the hot seat for year three. I think so too. But Jordan. You know, and it, it, I think so many times when we're a fan of, of our team, we're, we're the most critical of our team, and uh, rightly so because their defense gave up 30 points per contest, which is, is not good with with uh, Lincoln's leftovers. But, listen, they lost five games by one score, and in particular 
that stretch of, I believe it was Kansas State, TCU, and Texas, I mean, that made the season, those three games right there, three losses in a row, which Texas was absolutely brutal, obviously. That, that, that really, that really, you know, cost season. But anyway, I mean, five losses by one score, uh, that, that that's not as far off as one might think, and we're going to get no. into it. But I think this is the I think this is a bounce back year. I do. And, and again, my my issue with it too, Drew, is you're talking uh, their talent should have easily kept them in these games. Here's the deal: when there's a close game and you got a big game that's close, you really need two things essentially that are going to win those games. You need a, an elite or great defense or you need a clutch quarterback to come through. And last year, OU was awful defensively, and they had a quarterback that just didn't do anything in the second half of games. I mean, you're talking about a guy, he had, Drew, he had two touchdowns in the four, or sorry, four touchdowns, two of them were in the same game against Texas Tech, four touchdowns in the fourth quarter all season. Yeah, that's uh that's not so good, and that's not so clutch. Because again, you're not talking about a bunch of blowouts where he's out of the game already. You're you're talking he just wasn't wasn't there. I just not couldn't make the clutch throw, couldn't pull his team to win it. You know, I, I if I'm Oklahoma, I'm getting as many snaps as possible to the five star freshman Jackson Arnold coming in at quarterback because um, he's going to be your future. He's going to be the guy starting next year when you're in the SEC. So. I'm getting him prepped this year, and and he's he very well might if he's ready, I I'm, he might be replacing Dylan Gabriel during, during the season. So he might, and if that happens, hey, you've got to be fired up because that's a great thing uh, to to happen, you know, especially for a, a freshman. So, but I, you know, in my opinion, bounce back year. Uh, I like Gabriel, uh, not not maybe the the most beautiful solution, but uh, I love Jalil. Farouk at wide receiver, uh, and man, I really love uh, Desan uh, McCullough. Uh, yep, the All American from Indiana. Yes, All American from Indiana, uh, who's who's made that move over. And so, um, there's some good things happening. But you know what I love the most, Jordan? I love the big dogs up front because that's what wins games at the end of the day, and it's what's going to win games in the SEC. But I love the O line. I love Walter Rouse coming from Stanford. Um, I'm fired up. I would I would I would equally say linebackers with Stutzman and, and McCullough. Man, it's that's a heck of a unit too. So there's some exciting yep. units across the board. Um, you know, no, I but, I agree. They, yeah. The the issue for Oklahoma is they're going to have to make up for some weaknesses. Uh, that that receiver room, you know, and, and we talked about Jalil Farouk when we were talking about top receivers. I, I think he's the best receiver in the Big Twelve with the ball in his hand, in yeah. his hands. Um, However, I don't know, something about the way he catches the ball, it just doesn't look clean. He he looks to be in a rush to get it to his body. So I don't know how comfort how you know comfortable he is with his hands and, and making the catches, especially in traffic. So we'll see. But again, like you talked about, the O line's gonna be a strength. They've got some really talented running backs. So you're just you're gonna have to lean on the running game a little bit more if you're Oklahoma, which again, Jackson Arnold is a much better runner than Dylan Gabriel. So he almost makes more sense there to just add that extra threat on the ground, but yeah, yeah, we'll we'll yeah. see how that one plays out. You know, and yeah, again, and I, defense. You're you're talking about the back seven is mm-hmm. very very good. It's it's again it's going to be in the trenches on on the defensive side where they they've got to find some difference makers on the D line. Right, absolutely. But I will say, kind of leading into their schedule this year, 
you know, they don't face Tech. Uh, sorry, excuse me. They don't face Kansas State, and they don't face Texas Tech or Baylor, who, or Baylor. Who you know, who uh, you know, K State and Texas Tech beat them last year. The Baylor, I can't remember. Yep, Did Baylor beat, beat them as well. Yeah, so all three of those beat OU last year. So you don't face those guys. Schedule's immediately better. Uh, I've got OU going ten and two. That's yep. where I've got them. Uh, if that happens. Yeah, boy, all things are going to be looking up in Norman, for sure. No, I I, I totally agree. And, and, you know, I've got Oklahoma going 10-2. Um, I, I think with the schedule they've got, you really don't have any excuses. I mean, that's a nine-win minimum schedule because you've got a non-conference that most people forget. Oklahoma was supposed to play Georgia this year, but because of the in, incoming SEC schedule they've got coming uh, – that game got canceled, so now you end up with three essential cupcakes. I mean, SMU's, you know, a decent program. They'll they'll have a solid team this year. But all three of those games are very winnable and should be wins for Oklahoma. And then Cincinnati and Iowa State, two of the lower Big 12 teams. And then you have Texas. That wraps up the first half of the season. So you really should be, you know, say you lose to Texas, you go 5-1 and one to start regardless. Mm-hmm. And then, what, UCF, Kansas, Oklahoma State, West Virginia, BYU – yeah, I mean, maybe someone upsets you, but that's not a good, it's not a good stretch of uh, good teams by any means. And then you finish with TCU, so yeah. I, I think you're right. I think ten and two really is the most likely. But again, I, I think if Venables wins less than nine games, watch out because yeah, the critics are going to be very, very loud. Yeah, so, and I would call it a blessing and a curse having a schedule like that. Blessing, you lose gigantic curse because you are immediately in big trouble. Yeah, totally agree. All right, let's uh, let's move to your little sweetheart for the season, Kentucky. Mm. So, you know, no more Will Levis, but that's okay. They replaced him with Devin Leary. So, looking looking at the schedule last year for Kentucky, for Kentucky Drew, Ugh. what was their big Ugh. win of the season to you? Was it that Florida game? Yeah, I mean – you know, I'm just looking through here. I mean, first of all, it was just – it was so disappointing uh, at the end of the day. I mean, yeah. I mean, can you even pick a big win? I mean, really? At the end of the day? I mean, uh, yeah. I, well, trust me, I know it. Six and seven Florida is the one I threw in yeah. there. But – I mean and, – And Kentucky, I mean, they, they've been good on defense. You know, Mark Stoops is, has been a defensive coach. But, man, their offense took a step back. I mean, Will Levis was nothing like we expected. Him to be. I think they averaged 20.4 points a game last year, which is not ideal. Um, you know, they, they beat Louisville to round out the, the regular season, so maybe that's a decent win. But, I mean, honestly, what, Mississippi State maybe? I mean, they were wildly uncompetitive against Tennessee. So... But you know, here's know, the deal. But hey, I mean, you're the one that's high on them for this year, so... Well, and, and here's the reason why I'm high. And by the way, I mean... Yeah, you look at their schedule, and they barely beat Northern Illinois. There's where the trouble started, right? Then they lost yep. Ole Miss. They lose to South Carolina. They barely beat Mississippi State. They get they got dominated by game against Iowa. Yeah, I mean, they lose to Vanderbilt. For I mean, what's up yeah. all these freaking teams losing to Vanderbilt? You know, it's well, crazy. it's not all these teams. It's the last two we've talked about. Yeah, I mean, it's Florida, uh, Kentucky only, but it's just mind blowing. But yeah, I, I am. Uh, I'm buying the. I'm buying the hype. I, I like Stoops. Man, it's crazy. He's in year eleven now. Um, in this day and age, I don't care who you are to be eleven years in. 
Fantastic. He is the all-time winningest coach, Jordan, over – can you guess who at Kentucky? Bear Bryant. No, no. no Bear kidding. Bryant. I was not going to uh, guess that. Small fact there. Uh, but his overall record is really not impressive. 66-59 uh, and 59 at UK. Um, but anyway, the reason why I'm high on him is 71% of the offense is back, 94% of the receivers – yeah. Um, four or five O-linemen, which the O-line was absolutely terrible, so that, that may not be a good thing. Um, <laughs> but but uh, they bring in Devin Leary to complement that, yeah. that that offense. And you got to be fired up. About they did great in the portal with Leary, Ray Davis. Uh, well, they brought in a couple big O-linemen with Tanner Bowles from, from Bama, Ben Christmas from Ohio State. So you, you yeah. bring some talented guys there. Um, you know, they did lose their five-star defensive tackle, Justin Rogers, who transferred to Auburn. So that's a – that's a huge loss on the defensive side, but yeah, no, I mean, they, they did well in the portal overall. So yeah. you, you know, you graduate, you lose Chris Rodriguez, who was just fantastic last year at running back, but you had Ray Davis. So, you know, that's almost a wash and they return the receivers. And I mean, Devin Leary's got to be better than Will Levis was last year. So. Yeah. And probably the biggest, the biggest asset they get back is they get their offensive coordinator back, Liam Cohen, who went to the NFL and came back. And I mean, they're just better with him and so the offense is going to go we'll see what the defense does at the end of the day but uh, when you got guys like Barry and Brown, Dane Key, Tavian Robinson uh, now that joins them from from Vautech uh, yep. you know they're 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 sharp out there at wide receiver Devin Leary is going to be great and uh, I, I'm excited to see what they do I mean Devin Leary alone Jordan he's a 60 percent career passer with 62 touchdowns and 16 interceptions and then you got ray davis who's got 2500 yards and 15 touchdowns and those guys just and he did just it transferred at in at bandy right. the farm school the farm team I, I, mean, I mean you're not getting a whole lot of blocking in the sec from from the vandio line so no, very no. impressive from ray davis I, I he might he might blow up this year i'm, I'm not saying he won't yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't know i still i'm still concerned about the o-line because it was it was bad last year I agree. Uh, it, it's you know, you, you look at it, I, I think they were like 127th in the country in terms of sacks allowed. They gave up. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, so they gave up 47 sacks, which ranked them 127 in the country. That's uh, that's not ideal. Yeah. So, but, and they, and they only averaged 3.3 yards a carry. Yeah, I agree. But, you know. I know. They, they've seen, addressed it. I, they've they've I addressed it, though. Marcus Cox, offensive lineman, Northern Illinois, transferring in. 34 games, gave up three sacks. You mentioned we'll Tanner Bowles, Cortland Ford, USC. They, they were getting guys from high-level schools. We'll see. I, hey, I'll take the second string at freaking Ohio State to come oh, play for me. 100%. Know? 100%. <laughs> so, um, but anyway, Jordan, I, I've got them going nine and three. You, you know me; I'm high on them um, at this point. So uh, let, let's see what the Wildcats uh, can show us. Yeah, I've got them. I've got them going eight and four. Which, you know, again, you had them number two in the in the East. I had them three. I would have had them below Missouri if that Missouri Kentucky game was at Missouri. But yeah. with it being at Kentucky, I, uh, I I went with I went with Big Blue. So. Anyway, we'll we'll see how that goes out, and we'll we'll talk a little more on Missouri here in a minute after we get through Texas. Texas. Is Texas back? Oh, dude, dude! I've told you um, when we're doing these previews, man. This roster just makes you sit there and say, "Man, 
Now that is a freaking football team. I mean, it's beautiful. Um, you know, but somebody's got to coach these guys, Jordan. Uh, <laughs> you know, somebody's got to freaking get these guys uh, to their potential. But uh, from a pure roster standpoint, dude, this is this is money. I mean, there are some yep. there are some dudes on this roster that will. We'll get into, but you know, Texas well, Longhorns, 2022. They, yeah, they start start up. with last year. Yeah, let's go to last year. I mean, they finished up third in the Big 12, which was honestly uh, extremely uh, disappointing at eight and five. Um, you know, the, you, the look, year... you look at their big non-conference game, and and yeah. we talked about that one at length. But you know, yeah. you lose to Alabama 20 to 19, but they you know, should have won. It, absolutely, won. you and I both watched that whole game. You know, if if Quinn Ewer stays healthy, I don't I don't see any way they don't win. I mean, heck, no. if their backup Hudson Card could have stayed healthy instead of being hobbled out there and having to play through it, they probably still win. And and it took some Bryce Young magic at the end for for Alabama yeah. to win that game, but and some bad goals too. <laughs> yeah, so uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, man, can you imagine if Texas had won that game? We would have heard yeah. Texas is back about twenty seven times. Oh, Lord. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, you know, they lose games to Texas Tech. They lose games to Oklahoma State. Uh, they had no know, business losing. TCU, hard-fought game. I mean, you know, you can't lose those games. And then they round it off. You know, there's something in common with all of these teams. They lose a very disappointing bowl game, which, don't get me wrong, bowl games are seemingly unimportant these days unless you're playing SEC, the playoffs. SEC, SEC. <laughs> <laughs> I know that attitude. Nobody well, likes bowl games. games. Don't matter unless you we know? win. That's right. Nobody likes them. So, that's, why the, uh, that's why the SEC is undefeated in bowl games, Drew, because either they win or they didn't care and didn't want to be there. But, mm. uh, you know, Sarkeesian, this is his year. If he's going to make a run, this is the year he returns 15 starters, one of the nation's top offensive lines and receiving core. Yep. I mean, it's exciting, dude. I mean, oh, yeah. No, I'm going to dive you, into some, some key players here. Yeah, you let's, let's, let's get into it. I mean, honestly, you, you said it. The offensive line is going to be the heart and soul of this team. But, again, you, you lose B. John Robinson, massive loss. I mean, you're talking about the top running back in the NFL draft. That's a huge – almost 2,000 yards of offense last year and 20 touchdowns. That's a lot to replace. But it's a little easier to do when you have one of the best offensive lines in the country. So, mm-hmm. I think, you know, you look at receivers. I mean, both their top receivers with Xavier Worthy, Jordan Whittington are back. And then you add in A.D. Mitchell from Georgia, who could be an absolute monster. Yep. To go along with one of the best tight ends in the country, in my opinion, with Jatavian Sanders. Mm. So mm. that's a ton of talent. And now, now what you're going to have to figure out, Drew, is are we going to get good Quinn Ewers or mm-hmm. bad Quinn Ewers? Because we saw a little bit of both last season. There were games like the Oklahoma State game where he was just wildly inconsistent. Um, yeah. But if yeah, yeah. he plays up to his potential, because remember, remember, he was the number one player in the country out of high school his year. If he can play to his potential, yeah, Texas may be unstoppable because that defense is pretty salty as well. Well, he better play to his potential because he's got, you know, guys behind him that are going to be vying for his spot, uh, you know, with Arch Manning and and Malik Mitchell. But, I mean, I think we get the good uh, Quinn Ewers, and and really he's got – like you said, he's got a great uh, receiving crew to make him look good. And, honestly, the running back unit you talked about, you know, Bijan can't replace – don't even try to replace him. It's going to be kind of a committee-type deal. With Keelan Robinson, uh, former Bama running back, Jadon Blue, and then true freshman CJ Baxter, who was, by the way, no, no, you know, yeah. the, you know, no Five skin off his back. Well. He was the number one running back in, in 2023. Um, 
So, and then you got – then just to throw – all these teams, Jordan, we haven't gone into it very deep. But if we go into it, most of these teams that we've talked about today and we'll talk about sorely lack at tight end. And Texas has to go with their receiving course, Jatavian Sanders, who you've already mentioned, who's just, you know, unbelievable, uh, all-American type guy. So this offense is dirty. And, uh, you know, the defense, uh, honestly, it's it's just about as good. Yeah. Well, I don't know about you, but I don't want to leave off that they did bring in a pretty pretty good safety as well. Who? What was his? Where did he come from, Drew? Do you remember? Well, you know, if he could if he could actually stay healthy, uh, <laughs> he is unbelievable talent. And I love Jalen Catalan. Hated to see him leave, but uh, we never got we never got to see what Jalen Catalan's potential was. Uh, but if he could stay healthy, I mean, to go. Yeah. To go with guys like uh, Jalen Ford, uh, Jade Barron, I mean, guys like that that they already have. I mean, he could be unbelievable. Uh, and they did good in the portal. I mean, Catalan, they got Wake Forest cornerback Gavin Holmes, who Arkansas wanted. Um, so, you know, I mean, it's hard to find a weakness. I mean, if I had to pick a weakness on this team, it's probably running back. But I think by midseason, it's not going to be very weak. I mean, it's it's a heck of a – it's a heck of a roster. I, I, I cannot stay in Texas, but I, I'll give it to them here. I mean, where uh, where do you see them finishing record-wise? I, I've got 10-2. Uh, they're going to okay. lose to Alabama uh, again. And then key games, in my opinion, uh, they're going to lose to either TCU, Texas Tech, or K-State. One of those. Wow. Don't, don't, even, don't even throw Oklahoma in there. That's yeah. right. <laughs> no, not, this, not, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> uh. Not yeah, no, I, I've got about 10 and 2 as well. I, you know, if that game against Alabama, and you know, I'm, I might even switch on that, Drew. I might pick Texas against Alabama. I, I haven't really decided yet, but that, that game, if it was in Austin, definitely would be picking Texas right now. Sure. Um, Tuscaloosa is going to be tough. And it's, a, of course, it's a night game. So that will, yeah, that, that'll be, a, that'll be a little bit more of a tough sledding kind of deal. But, and then, and, and it's still Texas, so you you can almost count on them finding somewhere to slip up along the way. So I don't know. We'll we'll see. But yeah, I've got them ten and two or eleven and one, and I don't know. I might I might switch to eleven and one, but we'll see. We obviously we both have them winning the conference, so either way they're going to be okay. Yep. But all right, that, we'll was, that was painful, by the way. After yeah. Giving them credit. We'll uh, we'll move on to our final team of the preview and it's uh missouri tigers one of drew's favorites so <clears throat> we'll start with uh we'll start with how they did last season i know they they picked up at least one good win at the end of the season so we'll we'll talk about that here in a sec but uh, <laughs> you know unbelievable they, things did not start off very well for them they got a couple wins over some cupcakes to start the season they got absolutely throttled by k-state who turned out to be a lot better than we all knew at the time um and then you just kept losing close games. I mean, 17-14 at Auburn in one of the uglier games I've ever seen. Uh, they, they, they gave somehow, the game away. They gave I know. it away. Yeah. Literally. So Literally. Then you get to the, the Georgia game, and they play out of their minds. I mean, they, they took the nat- back-to-back at this point, national champs, Georgia to the wire, and outplayed them for most of the game. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you go lose the next week at Florida by seven. And then, and then you managed to scrape by Vanderbilt by three, and things kind of went went downhill after that as well. But you know, you got you, know, you got a couple nice wins, and you know, you knock off South Carolina and and Arkansas to finish the season, and you, you at least get to a bowl game. 
So yeah, could have been worse. Well, so a couple things, and I'm really not trying to be hard on Mizzou here. I'm really not. But six and seven, like you said, um, Eli. Yeah, they, they obviously did lose their bowl game to Wake Forest. That was yeah. the seventh. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Eli Drinkwitz, 29 and 20 overall. He's 17 and 19 at Mizzou. Uh, so here's the key stat, Jordan. We just talked about the Auburn game. Losing at halftime. So if, if Mizzou is losing at half, Eli is 2 and 15. So, I mean, you know, you can literally predict what's going to happen every game with, with yep. Eli Drinkwitz. So you got to ask yourself, can he make halftime adjustments? It seems so cliche, but well, and what was what was his record when winning at halftime? When winning at halftime, I don't know. I've I believe it, I believe it was yeah. twenty five and two. Yeah, overall so, in his career. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. hey, all you have to do is win the first half, and you're gold. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, I just wonder, like, you know, halftime adjustments, and the other thing that bothers me about Eli, and here we go. You know, I'm, I'm the biggest Brady Cook hater out there. But, I mean, he has not had a stable quarterback in four years. I said that last week. He is, he still has not had one. Will it be well, Brady Cook? you've got Brady year? Cook coming back. You've got stability there. I don't – you know, I'm not I'm not saying Brady Cook's a world beater. Yeah. But I think he can do some solid things. He's, you know, fairly accurate. Doesn't turn the ball over at a high rate. Plus, don't forget, Drew, they brought in a new offensive coordinator this year from Fresno. They got Kirby Moore, who is the brother of – Dallas Cowboys offense coordinator Kellen Moore mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. you know he maybe he brings some something new but they still they've got weapons on offense I mean you know obviously you talk about losing Dominic Lovett to you know Georgia but they return Luther Burden who I think is one of the best receivers in the SEC along with Mookie Cooper and then you go get the five former five-star Theo Weiss from Oklahoma who yeah you know had some up and down moments in his career but that's a solid solid receiving core yeah it is it is um but i will tell you this i I would make a prediction that by week three brady cook is not the quarterback anymore and jake garcia from miami has become the quarterback um betting on that that talent out of high school huh well maybe maybe so but uh but you know and i'll I'll say this, we're talking about the wrong side of the ball because their defense is a strength. They return 84%. Uh, they they honestly may have the second or third best defense in the SEC, and that's what's going to carry yep. them. I mean, 96%, Jordan, other D-backs are back. I mean, literally well, they, everyone in back. Everyone's yeah, back. They, uh, they actually return the most production on the defensive side of the ball yep. in the SEC. So. Which – how huge is that? I mean, Chris Abrams' drain was unbelievable. Rake Straw, Joseph Charleston, Norwood. I mean, they're five to seven guys deep at D-back. And, uh, you know, that's not even including Tyron Hopper at lining back – or lining back, I can't talk – linebacker who is maybe – you know, he could end up being the best defensive player in the SEC. So, I mean, yeah. that defense is just – you know, it's, it's unbelievable. And they did – they lost some guys. They lost – Trajan Jeffcoat to Arkansas, which we were happy to take him. I'm sure. um, weird, weird recruitment uh, there between us, Mizzou, and South Carolina. But that's another story for another day. But, um, but this defense, man, it is it is impressive. It's going to win them games. It's going to keep them in games. That's why guys like Luther Burden and uh, some of these other guys on offense um, are going to have to step up and, and make some plays. But Jordan, they don't. 
they don't have a game breaker at running back. And that's another thing no. I don't understand. They have Cody Schrader, who's if you watched him last year, he, he's not a game not breaker sexy. at all. You know, yeah. and they actually I don't know if it was Mizzou or South Carolina, they only have like two two scholarship running backs, I think. And I don't understand that. Like go get in the portal and get a dude, man. I mean, you know, if you don't have a guy, go get one. This is the day and age where you can find one, but they don't have one to complement an already uh struggling uh you know quarterback situation too which a good running back could complement a good you know a quarterback so i i don't understand that piece no well i mean like you said their defense is gonna have to do the heavy lifting and you know you got a couple cupcakes to start the season next year for them and then they got k-state again which it's at least at home but if, if missouri is going to have a year next year if they're going to make a little bit of a run and, and look like a, a team that can actually do some things you got to win that game. I mean, you you've got to go in. You got to beat K State, and get your season started right. Because again, you win that game. I mean, you're you're talking your first four games are all non-conference and outside of K State, they should win the other three. Yeah. Um, and then you get to start with Vanderbilt. So yeah, you could very easily see a five and zero Missouri team if they can get past K State. Sure. So then then you get more into the SEC schedule. You get LSU, Kentucky. South Carolina, Georgia, Tennessee, Florida, and Arkansas. So it, yeah, it gets but, it gets tough in a hurry. Yeah, but I mean, Jordan, you get LSU in Columbia, you get South Carolina in Columbia, you get Tennessee in Columbia, you get Florida in Columbia. I mean, that's a lot of good home yeah. games. I mean, and, you, and good winnable games. I mean, South Carolina, yeah. Florida, both should be down. Yep. So, yeah, yep. I I mean, again, like I said, I I have Missouri higher than you do. Um, I may regret that, but they've got a lot of talent at receiver. I I, I think Brady Cook's better than you give him credit for. I, I'm just going to throw it out there. I've I've got them going eight and four. Well, so. yeah, I mean, and, and that's not far from what I had them. I had them at seven and five. So um, I've got them at seven and five. I think they can do it. Um, I'm just not convinced that uh, that they've got the pieces yet to to make it happen. But they they've got they've got a solid team and it. This is one of those teams that kind of the coin flip, like it could go either way and we're just going to have to wait to see uh, how things shake out. But that you're right. The K-State game, most crucial game of the year right yeah. there in the beginning. And it'll, it'll tell you what you're, what, what to expect from Missouri, I think. Absolutely. Uh, I, I agree completely. So, but again, you know, we'll, we'll kind of wrap up there. You know, we look, we look forward to coming back again next week. We'll be seven days closer to the season. Yes. So we'll yes. we'll be jumping back into six more previews. We will tweet that out on it'll be on both on Twitter and Facebook as far as who the six teams we are previewing next week are. So you guys can look forward to that. Um, but otherwise, Drew, go ahead and sign us off. Hey, and everybody at Southern underscore Blitz, go follow us on Twitter. We need you. Uh, like us, follow us. Go to Apple. ITunes, subscribe. I pro yes, subscribe, subscribe, sub subscribe. Every time we release one, we want you to get notified. And, and uh, share it. Yes, and share it. And be looking for uh, the teams we will be previewing next week. I uh, can't wait to join you guys again next time.